Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bona Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, the king of Halloween. It's coming up. It's your time, huh? Oh, you know we love the Halloween. Well, you, you get a lot of visitors? No. No. Nice. No, I live out in the boondocks. Okay. I mean, we live out in the sticks. So, yeah, we might get one or two or... You know, I think because uh, of COVID and everything, we, we really haven't seen anybody in, you know, a couple of years. Oh, okay. But, you know, I live on a country street. Like I said, yeah. you know, across the street from me is all cornfield. There's no houses across the street. Cornfield and Buffalo. Did you bust your kids into other neighborhoods when they were young? Mm, I, I wouldn't say that we bust them in to other neighborhoods, but... We went to a buddy of mine's house and okay. we went around his neighborhood. We, three families, we get together every year and we do, you know, a big have dinner and everything, you know, potluck type stuff. And then the husbands, the guys, we would take the kids out trick or treating. So it wasn't like we were going to that neighborhood because, oh, they're going to get good stuff here. It was yeah. just, you know, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> uh you did you bus into other neighborhoods um we always lived in no the, the good neighborhoods were too far for us <laughs> it would have been too much to expect we're sorry we're not worthy of uh of, of your your good food here no we we never we never hightailed it over to the good neighborhoods uh it would have been it would have required a uh uh, drive and that wasn't going to happen okay so <laughs> <laughs> at what age did you stop trick-or-treating oh my god i can't believe you asked this i went one year too many man and I, it is one of my big regrets in life i went one year too many i um so what were you are what are you in the eighth grade i can't remember what uh it must have been like 14 and I thought, all right, I don't know these people in this town. I'm new here, right? So it's safe. So I dressed up to go out uh, that last year in, in, you know, in the quest of chocolate. And um, I, I, uh, I dressed up in some goofy outfit or whatever, just some homemade whatever, just to get the chocolate, you know. And uh, I knocked on the door and it's the prettiest girl in our class's house. I, you know what? I think I've heard this story before. Yeah. I think I have. She was handing the candy out to the kids. I was mortified. I mean, I was absolutely mortified. Did she know it was you? Of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't disguise oh. all this. And so uh, that was that was bad, 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 man. Well, you know, girls mature before guys, so that's no help, Rob. So. <laughs> There was no help at all. I was trying to throw you a No, I was dejected. There. Yeah. But um, yeah, so um, yeah. All right. Uh I stopped when I was a freshman, freshman in high school. Okay. And and that was probably like you. That was that was a little too late. Clearly when yeah. yeah. I mean you're a freshman in high school, that probably yeah. 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 
you can say, oh, I was cool and I was out, you know, throwing eggs and, yeah, you know, being a hoodlum and everything, but, you know, I still came home with a sack of candy too. So freshman in high school, way too old to be out there. Yeah, thank you. And there's nothing like when they, they get the doorbell knock and, uh, and there's some kid who's, who's damn near got a beard and he just got his hand out and he's really got no outfit on. What the hell are you doing? We'll get a job. You know what I mean? There's 8 million jobs out there right now. You're here trick-or-treating. Go, go get a job. Okay. All right, today. What's you today's what? show about, Wayne? If, if, if this guy had done what we're going to say next, he wouldn't have been trick-or-treating at 14 years old with his hand out. He would have already developed good habits where he could have started making some headway in life. Right? Ah, so that's what today's show is about, habits. We talked about uh, annoying habits of coworkers, but now we're going to talk about habits in general and how they affect your life and how to, how to have good habits and how important good habits are. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh-oh. A lot of people, a lot of people in this industry, I'll tell you, Rob, the, the role of a father is so important in life and, and of learning good habits when you're young. Because I was thinking about this, we started doing the show. What if you had lousy habits from the from the very beginning and you were never taught good habits and you went through this whole life knowing that a few adjustments, not knowing that a few adjustments here or there or a few things you did differently uh, could have made all the difference in the world. And it, uh, so many things all come down to habits, right? Yes. One of the most important habits you can have as a young man is make your bed every day. Ask me how many times I've made my bed. How many times have you made your bed? Never. But <laughs> I started thinking about that now. That would have been a good habit. You know what I mean? That, and, and in the military, they teach you how to make your bed because if you do nothing else in life, the, if you just get up every day and made your bed, you did, you, you've accomplished something, right? So I'm going to read you just this one little thing from this book. This book is called Atomic Habits, right? It's by uh, James Clear. I'm just going to read this one short paragraph. If you can get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up 37 times better for the, by the time you're done. Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day for one year, you'll decline nearly down to zero. What starts as small or minor with a small setback accumulates into something much more. So, I mean, it's like compound interest, you know, when uh, your money in the bank. By, by, and here's, here's the thing that we do in America to ourselves. I mean, I, as, this is a, you know, something that I think sets us back. We reach too high, you know what I mean? I, and I'll give you a great example. I remember when I was- Oh, a, wait, what did you say? We reach too high. Yes. We set the bar too high. Yes, way too high. So you want to lower the bar. You know- Okay. But weightlifters years ago, bodybuilders, you know, strongmen in the circus, there was very, very few of those. And the reason, because those weights were so damn big and heavy to begin with, nobody could lift them. It wasn't until they started making two and a half pound weights, five pound weights, 10 pound weights, that people got started getting more into bodybuilding and stuff and got stronger uh, because you could make those small increments. When I, when I was in high school, I was in great shape, right? You see that in me. So when I, when I, it's a joke, but you, you really see it in me? Oh, cool, cool. Um, when I was in high school, I was in great shape. About four years out of high school, 
now I was working with old men. I'm not active anymore. I picked up bad habits of just eating whatever I want, coming home and watching TV, you know, and watching football and not, I wasn't active anymore. And I gained weight, gained like 25 pounds right, right out of high school. And one day I decided I'm gonna turn this around. I'm gonna get in shape. And right down the road from my house was a massive hill. I mean, a huge, humongous hill. I went out, I bought some sweatpants. And I thought I'm gonna set the alarm at five o'clock every morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run up to the top of that hill every morning. All right, get in shape. Can you hear the Rocky theme song right now? I can't. The Rocky theme song is gonna come crashing down shortly. <laughs> On day one, I made it a third of the way up and I had a cramp and everything was hurt and I was out of breath. I was tired, I turned around, I went home, and I got in my truck and I slept for about an hour and a half. Expectations were too high. Those small incremental changes, I think, are huge, but habits are so important. So, and, and to this day, I, I, the reason I have this book is because I, I, to me, I've realized that in our careers, how habits become so important to everything that we do. And creating good habits, so a lot of times it's just choices and it's just, it's just, Something seems very meaningless, but over time amounts to a tremendous amount. So I will, I think we'll talk about that. I can still hear the Rocky theme. Really? Yeah. Dun, dun, I mean, dun, 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 he didn't dun. get up to the stairs the very first time. Remember, he could barely yeah. make it up there. Oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, oh. the first time, his very first day when he drinks the eggs. Okay. His first time going out and training. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that part. No, I just remember him get to the top of the hill and dancing. Yeah, that didn't happen for months and months. His first oh, time up the hill, okay. he's holding his side. He could barely get up there. If you would have gave me the speech after I did that hill, I probably would have went another day. There you go. You know? You didn't go back to the hill. That was it? That was it. One yeah. time. But I did look good in that sweatsuit. I, I did rock the sweatsuit for quite a while. Yeah. All right. So uh, you want, don't want you to tell me about some habits that you have, Rob, or that, what your, your thoughts here? Well, I thought we were going to go with habits of sanding floors, installing floors. I didn't, we are. We are. I, I didn't think this was a... Well, we are, but I... Personal I, stuff. This was a teachable moment, I thought. Oh. In, in general, in life. You know, yeah. there's some, there might be some apprentices that listen to us that are young people starting out and didn't have a father figure, that I could be their father figure. Although that's a lot of responsibility, so I don't know. The father of floor sanding. I can see it now. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So good habits. Good with uh, animals. I don't know about people, though. Yeah. Yeah, true. Because yeah, I would get annoyed. If you didn't have good habits, you came to me as a young guy, I probably would be kind of annoyed. <laughs> to be honest with you. All right. I'll tell you um, um, a habit that I... Uh, that, you know, and I, you know, you talk about this fairly often and how important it is. Uh, uh, you've got to respect that dust bag and that sander. Uh, you've got to, even when you go to lunch, get in the habit of, of taking it outside and, and taking care of it and, and don't even trust it by the time you go to lunch. And, and even that, that, that maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes, it could creep into an hour. Uh, that dust bag is a scary animal. It doesn't take much. Uh, I think of that thing as like a mountain lion sitting there. It could turn on you if you if you if you take it for granted and take it for granted and take it for granted. Oh gosh, we uh, we show up to the, 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 the to work at eight o'clock in the morning. We realize, oh shoot, we forgot to take the, the dust bags out. Can't happen. Mm. Can't, can't happen. 
uh, there's too much on the line and that's a habit that I think is a, uh, an absolute must. Well, if that's where we're going, I, uh, mine would be stain rags. What the hell do you mean if that's where we were going? I was off into worldly events and you brought me back into the sanding thing. So oh, I'm glad we're me. going there. That's good. Okay. Cause uh, okay. I really have nothing on worldly stuff, just bad habits. Okay. okay. But is I, I like doing floor sanding habits. Okay, good. That's where my list is. That's where I made my yeah. list. All right. Well, cool. And stain rags. That's why I like you were talking about dust, uh, dust bags. Um, my habit was, and I had dust bags further down up really close to the top of my list was uh, stain rags. Yeah. All hands on deck. When you're done staining, you have to know where every stain rag is. Do yourself a favor, get a plastic bucket, five gallon bucket, a couple gallons of water. Everything goes into the water. Carpet pads, stain rags, whatever you're using, everything goes into the water. Yep. Um, and I shame on me because I said dust bags from the big machine, but uh, it's also edger bags and, and, and maybe even more important than anything is the, uh, the vacuum cleaner bags. Backpack vac bags. Yep. That was on, that was right under stain rags. I'm going to cross that one off. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stain rags and stains, uh, when we're in this trade every day, we're, we're working with stains every single day. You're almost immune to the smell anymore, right? I mean, customers will come home and go, oh my God, it smells so bad. And you're like, <laughs> what? But I, I don't know if I told you or not, but next door to me, uh, somebody's working on the floors. I love it, man. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I don't know who they are. They're an older, it's an older guy and his, as a kid, as I, I got to know him. But um, they stain the floor today. And from the back of my house, from the very back of my yard, I can smell the stain. Now I'm, I'm you know, a long ways away from them, but that tells you those, these chemicals that we're using that we take for granted that we smell all the time. I mean, that's a, it's, it's, we're working around some serious stuff. So all it takes is we know, as you said, as you many times, it just takes one stain rag one time. So I think sometimes the, the first step into good habits is like, I would leave myself uh, a note every day on my, on my driver's seat, like, like uh, things I'm going to need for the job tomorrow. I don't want to forget. So I would put something uh, like put it on my driver's seat so I can't forget it. Or I'll put it with my car keys. The note, I can't drive off without doing it. So then I make myself read the note. So that will help you get in the habit of doing these things. But all it takes is one thing, man. One, you missed one edge of bag. They got on fire. You missed one stained rag that could that could just destroy your career. So uh, it's so important that we uh, we we keep that in mind with our habits. Now, your neighbor who was having their floor done. Yeah. Did they ask you to do it? It's funny because uh, the lady's never there. She's not. She's been remodeling his house for years, and she doesn't live there. I don't. I don't even. I couldn't even pick her out of a lineup. But my Judy will say, oh, the neighbor was there today. She knows her car. She's talked to her a few times before, but I don't know her. I did tell her I did, I did floors back in the day. I don't do floors anymore. So uh, she didn't ask me. I didn't volunteer information. Um, you know, obviously, I, you know, I don't do side jobs. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I don't. Because the reason I ask, um, I, I remember a neighbor that I knew. And he was maybe three doors down from me. Now, even though I live in the sticks, the one side of the street is just normal. On the other side, there's nothing. Yeah. And three doors down, 
Now, I, I know everybody in the neighborhood knows what I do because I know mm -hmm. what everybody, we all know what everybody does. And I'll never forget, I pull out of the driveway, I'm driving to work, and I see a competitor's truck in that guy's driveway. Wow. And they're unloading the machines and doing, you know, and I was like, well, what the, I mean, talk about yeah. That's an insult. fury. Yeah. Like, he didn't even give me a shot. Yeah. I thought, you know, I always wave to you when I drive by, I, you know, yeah. that frosted me good, man. That was, that, that, that hurt. Yeah. I was kind of rooting against him on that one. I, I've had that happen to me too. About three doors down from me, uh, they had another floor guy do the thing. And, and I, I had the same reaction. I was furious. Now, I didn't want the job and I would have told the guy no. I probably would have turned it down because I don't want to come home every day and I get a 40 your, your dick store to me. You know what I mean? Hey, Wayne, okay. I got scratch. I don't want that, but you should have asked me, right? You yeah. should have asked me. And then, you know, we could be friends still, but now we, we can't be friends anymore. Now you're, yeah, yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're an enemy now. You're yeah. a definite enemy. Of course. Absolutely. You know, when you said that you smelled the stain when you walked outside, yeah. How many times have you been driving down the street or, when I, when I was in sport, um, Billy, we took a couple of contractors and we were in Boston and we were in downtown, downtown Boston. We're going to take these guys out to dinner. So we're at a park and we, you know, park just uh, at a, you know, outdoor parking place. And as soon as we get out of the car, we all heard an edger. And this edger was two blocks away and he was up five or six stories. Yep. You could hear it. I mean, there is just nothing like the sound of a sander for a floor guy. Cause we're all, we, we look like little kids like, Oh my yeah. God, look at it. It's up there. There it is. It's up there. Right yeah. up there. And this is pretty far away, but man, there is just nothing like the whine of an edger that, you know, just like you, when you said you smelled the stain. Yeah. You can you can be driving down the road with your window down and hear hear a machine. Yeah, guarantee. Yeah, listen, I'll go one better than that. I was in Boston. I was on vacation with my cousin. We're walking down the, the sidewalk. I I look down and I look at a, a, a guy and I go, "Hey, is you a hard floor floor guy?" He goes, "Yeah." My cousin goes, "How the hell did you know that?" I go, "Look at the shoes, man. Is there a stain on the boots? A little bit of stain on the boots. You look at his knuckles. It's a floor guy." Another for me is, uh, and people say this all the time, but uh, it is true for me, is that if my, if my sander wasn't standing a floor, the wheels were not touching me around. Uh, if I was transporting it to the job, if, uh, if I went to lunch, if, I, if the next day, I, I, uh, the, nil, the wheels never sat on the ground. And that is the honest to God truth. I didn't, I didn't, not the beginning of my career, because I didn't know how important this was, as, you know, but the more I learned and the more I got into the sanding aspect of it, um, I, those wheels never touch the ground unless I'm sanding. Hmm. That's a good one. I should put that under my bad habits. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we got in bad habits because the wheels that we used to have were all steel. All, all the drums we had were all steel wheels. So yeah, yeah, that's right. We used to just go up and down driveways, sidewalks, and everything. And then yeah. when we got our first. Okay. Neoprene type wheels. I was treating the wheels just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't got to carry it. You're just roll it. It's like everything. Because, you know, remember the old steel wheels on everything? They were yep. indestructible. 
Yep. I mean, those wheels lasted longer than people. Speaking of wheels and you're kind of going into this, uh, have you ever seen uh, uh, something get underneath a wheel and leave little pecker marks on the floor? Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, little indentations. Yeah. Absolutely right. Doesn't take much. That's the other thing is I never wheeled my, my machine into the job. I know, I know it's, you know, a lot of guys say you're crazy or whatever, it takes time, blah, blah, blah. But I broke my machine down every time and I carried it, you know, to, you know, the motor and then the, and the chassis and put it together. And, and I did check the wheels uh, as part. And, and, okay, we're going to go into another one. Uh, sorry, because I'm, I'm probably taking a half a year's Rob, but I, I did blow the machine out after every job, uh, honestly. Um, again, not in the beginning of my career, certainly in the last 10 years of my career. I blew it out, took a compressor, got out under there and blew everything out all the time, make sure it was running right. So yeah, I think that's an important habit to get into. That's another one of my bad habits. I learned that one the hard way. Well, it wasn't that hard. All right. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I brought one of our belt sanders when we made the transition over to belt sanders. I had brought that in to have it serviced and the service guy pulls me aside when I get there and he goes, Hey, I want to show you something. When I took your upper roller assembly out, he saved the dust. Okay. It was all dust. It was all charred. It was all black wow. and everything. He goes, this was, uh, this was coming out of your machine. He goes, so all of this stuff was blowing in your bag. He goes, you got to blow these machines out wow. a lot more than you've uh, than you were doing you, well, I was like well I never blew them out mm -hmm. and when he showed me all that dust I was like holy I mean this stuff was you know it was all it was all burnished and you know what I mean you know the dust yeah. I'm talking about yeah yeah so yeah you got to be careful with that big time so that's a good habit to get in blow those machines out yep all right, you want to go? You got one? You want to yeah, go? Uh, uh, one of my big habits was start with a drum, finish with a drum. And doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. You know, I, you talk to guys in the classes and the schools, and some guys like to finish with the edger, some guys finish with the drum. But my thing was, I used to get the drum going as fast as I could and do as much as I could with the drum so the guy edging doesn't have a lot to edge you know if i can make his job easier he's got the toughest job on the crew so i'm gonna try and make his life easier and i like starting with the drum getting you know try to get a room done before he's set up and going so we used to get our machine going absolutely as fast as possible just for that but the other thing too is i always like finishing with the drum edge and then finish with the drum uh, I agree, but I think there's exceptions to that. And the, the one exception to me is uh, on a parquet floor or a pattern floor uh, that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, especially at an a, at a, as I slate on a diagonal or whatever, is that I don't want that machine to maybe leave a, a half, go through half a block. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'd rather, on that case, I'd rather do my edging last. Uh, but, but for the most part, I do believe in you very, very, very much so. Uh, I know there's, there's, I think Lenny Hall, I know he did back in the day. I'll be curious to see if he still feels the same way, that the edging should be done last. Uh, I know 100% sure, I, he won't remember, he and I were on an NWFA class years, shoot, probably 20 years ago or more even. Um, 
and that came up. So I think back in the day, he used to recommend edging last. I don't know if he feels the same way. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think you always run the big machine last, unless that one exception is if you're doing a parquet floor or herringbone floor or whatever, that I don't want that machine not, not like cutting through the middle of a block. Uh, so I, in that case, I hit last. Well, it hit it hit uh, Peter and I one day because I used to, it never really mattered. I didn't think it mattered. Hey, whatever, right? If we're edging, we're edging. If we're drumming, we're drumming. Not a big deal. And um, we had done this, uh, I don't know, probably dozen racquetball courts. And I think I even told the story on the show before. And uh, so we're sitting there having lunch and watching these guys playing racquetball. Now, it's maybe four of the courts where the glass on – yeah. So you could watch guys play. And then the, right. the others were all the enclosed, right? Remember the mm -hmm. old racquetball court places? What, what did you get out of watching the guys play? Curious. Okay. They, we were watching girls play racquetball. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. Okay. We, we were eating lunch. We were just okay. hanging out eating Listen, lunch. Listen, I'm, I'm not judging. I just asked. It does sound like I'm being judged here. No, I'm sorry. Okay. But, so you were looking through the glass. So we're looking through the glass. And, and the other thing was, Oh, look at, you know, we had just finished this one and, you know, finished it a couple of days ago. And look at those beautiful lines out there and crisp and the floor was shiny and just, just perfect. And then I looked right down where the floor met the glass and the lights and everything. I thought I was going to throw up when I saw all the edge marks. Oh, you could see. I mean, you could see everything because it was, you know, glass, reflection, intense lighting, and gloss finish. And I, I looked at Pete and I go, I, I can't live it. We got to do these courts over. We, there's no way. We're, we're going to try and get business out of this, right? Oh, it was, it was a really, really bad edge of work. That was uh, when I really decided, all right, we, we got to do a better job edging. You know, you know, the old 4080 satin poly, bad lighting, not here. Was that back in the day where, where the men wore those real short shorts? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my kids make fun of me because I still wear those short shorts. Really? Yeah. You know, I lost my ass when I went to work for Bona. You did? Yeah. Chiseled, it used to be. Financially or no, no, I'm, I'm, no, physically, financially it was okay, but but uh, you know you, you're doing floors every day. You're you're picking up machines. You're you're bent over. You're you're picking up stuff. You're you're working every day. You're carrying in wood. You're 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 working all the time. And and uh, and now you know that's all gone. And and uh, uh, Aaron pointed out to me one time. He, he took a picture and it was like it's gone, dude. It's gone. So. It's just one of the things that come with the territory. I uh, I say that to the kids all the time. I really miss being strong. Yeah. Yep. I I agree with you. Like, like, like I lost like 30 pounds or so um, not too long ago and, and kept most of it off. I think, oh, that's fantastic. But I look like a wimp. I don't like 30. You know what I mean? I don't look like 30 like back in the day when I weighed that amount. It's things, things change. So... All right. 
You're, you got to be the only person in the world disappointed in weight loss. Oh my God, look at me. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, Go give me some cheeseburgers. I can't yeah. look like this. Um, I, when I was I ran track when I was in high school, and I, I ran the the mile and the two mile. Although I could have ran the hundred yard dash, but uh, politics. But uh, so I ran the, the mile and two mile, and um, we had our pictures taken. Right, the track team. Right, so. Um, I get the picture taken, you know, and I come home and I show, show my mic, show my mom, here's a picture of me and the track team. And she, I'm standing next to the shot putter, right? And she goes, you had to stand next to that guy? <laughs> the guy was in a tank. And I was, at that time, I probably weighed about 175 pounds because I was, you know, running every day. I was skinny. But uh, yeah, so anyhow, that's how I was going. I'm going backwards. Well, All right. That that's who I was, shot putter and discus. Discus. Yeah. Wow. And one of the funniest track meets ever was um because I was also on the indoor track team too. So we're at an indoor track meet and there was no place for us to throw the shot put. It was just something happened, something weird. So you got all and they used to, you know, these track meets, right? You were in track, so they'd be four, five, six schools there, you know. So you got four or five, and they used to call us the weight men. Imagine calling kids that now. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. Everybody be going to their safe space. And I remember listening to the coaches like, well, the weight men can't do the shot put. You know, he goes, let's have them run a relay race. So you had five teams of shot putters running a relay race could have been it, it's a shame that we didn't have cameras and stuff like phones like we have now because it was hysterical Man. All, all you heard the whole time was just the the banging of the batons dropping yeah right you know that clanging yeah yeah <laughs> you, you, you know though when a relay race is the worst race you could possibly run um if they take you out of your sport like you were a shot putter doing your thing you, you trained us to do that right yeah but then they put you in something else man I, I like i said i ran a mile two mile one day they said we need somebody to, to do the uh on the on the relay for the 880 and i said all right well i'll do it and i figured all right this man i'm gonna burn this up man i'm used to running a mile this is gonna be done i gotta run this is or something like that yeah he's a cake a third of the way through i wanted to throw up it's like man this was like completely different than i've been used to so the funny part of this was they just threw us out there right and they go, okay, you guys are going to run a relay. And so, and you had all, but the funny part was the coaches and the other guys on the team trying to show shot putters how to give a baton and run and accept the baton. You know, it's not just yeah. like oh. they run up to you and hand it to you, right? Yeah. They're trying to do the whole, well, this is how you do it. You got to be running in motion with your hand in the back and the whole, it was just, it, that, that would have been half of the comedy was just them showing us how to give it and accept it yeah um I, i'll have to tell you this and then maybe there's a two on we have to cut this out i don't know but the part of the problem on a relay team too is that you're part of a team now that's what i liked about running track is it's you <laughs> good or bad it's you right but now you now if you if you blow if you blow the hand off then you know you're you screwed up for everybody the worst instance of that i've ever had in my life was when uh, my brother John and I moved to a new town again. Uh, and we were in the ROTC program, right? 
we, we joined the drill team and the honor guard. The drill team, these guys at our school, this, they really took this to heart, man. And they were really good at, you know, you, you see them, you see the on TV, the, the Marines, the color guard doing the Queen Anne salute, doing the rivals at each other and all that, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. So my brother was on that. I was on the color guard. Okay. So we had a drive to this function where all we competed against all the other ROTC teams in the in the state. And um, they had practiced night after night after night. And my brother was on was uh, um, he was in the front where as they're marching off when the routine is done, he, he has to take his rifle and throw it to the guy at the very back. Right. So he throws it without looking. He tosses it back to him and the guy five guys back catches it. And then he does his salute and they walk off. They nailed it every time, every time, every time was perfect. When it came to time to do it, my brother threw it at a right angle. Like he threw it out to, he threw it like so far off to the right that he's like, it's incomprehensible how you could do that. So then it came time for the color guard. I was a rifleman on the color guard. There's one on each side of the flag. There's the two guys in the middle and then the rifleman. Uh, when we start marching out there, the guy called halt. I kept walking, right? I mean, walking beautifully but walking alone without the flag. Everybody else had stopped, like you're back there. And I keep walking after he said, halt. I don't know what to, and then, then it's like, it's like, well, how, how far do I carry this on? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I could now just pick any, any place to stop. You know what I mean? I'm like out in the wind now. So when I came to a stop, it was like a really official, beautiful, boom, 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 stop. And then the other guy had to have everybody go, had marched them up to catch up to me. And then it's done. My brother and I are in the back of the bus. It was like, damn, man, Highlanders, man. Just, you know, we had just moved to this town. We didn't already know anybody, but he, my brother John screwed up the whole ROTC drill team. I screwed up the color guard. We came back with like a zero uh, in the contest. Just that another sounds town. exactly like a Three Stooges. Oh, right. I, I can see that now. Yeah. They stop. Curly keeps going. You were curly. Oh, Keep yeah. going. Yeah, it was ugly. Okay. You should have done the curly shuffle going backwards to get back <laughs> into the line. I don't think so. Um, habits. Uh, I'll say this, that um, making a lunch every day, believe it or not, if you add up the amount of money that you spend and time at lunch, it's over a year's time. That is a habit that for young, young, young people, especially, I mean, if you're spending 15 bucks a day, if you go to Starbucks in the morning, you're getting coffee, which is astronomically expensive. Then at lunchtime, you're spending 15 or so bucks for lunch, 10 bucks for lunch. Well, that's, that's you know, just on the lunch every day, it's 50 bucks a week. That's 200 bucks a month. Then you add in the other things and that you're, now you're talking about, you know, that's a car payment after a while, right? Especially for your, your hoopties. So I think it's important if, if you think about how much you spend on, on, on lunch every day versus just making your own in the morning and, uh, and, and bring it with you. Uh, I've, I've actually make my own breakfast now every morning instead of going to the restaurant. Um, and it, it saves, you know, it saves 10 bucks a day. So I, I really think that's a habit that if you, if you add that up over a year's time, put that money aside, it's a lot of money. It's big time. Um, uh, one of my big habits is releasing the pressure, releasing the paper on yep. the drum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Especially now where the drums that we have now compared to the old drum standards, 
you know, the old drum sanders, remember you, oh, yeah. you didn't have that nice soft rubber. It was that white felt, yeah. how hard it was. So it was tough to flat spot that stuff unless you hit it with something. But yeah, with the new rubbers that we have today on drum sanders, if you leave that pressure on the paper, you're going to flat spot it because what ha happens is that rubber gets all warm, gets, man, you, you run that machine 8, 10, 12 hours a day, that rubber's hot. And if you don't take the pressure off of that paper, you're going to flat spot that rubber. Yep. And if it cools like that, you're going to have chatter marks for 45 minutes the next day until she heats up again. And now you get that, that nice round. So every day, that's my big habit, even to the point where if I'm going to lunch, I'll just release the pressure off of it, let that rubber come back nice. So I'm constantly... It's one of the things I talk to guys about in the class, same thing, just get in that habit of always releasing the pressure and you'll never flat spot the drum and you won't get the, you know, chatter marks. Cause I remember when people were like, yeah, I'm getting chatter marks. I'm like, that's, in, that's impossible to get a chatter mark with a belt machine. But I found out, no, absolutely not. You can get it. Well, it's interesting. I had that on my list as well. And, um, uh, I also added to that, this could almost turn into a, a big machine uh, episode, is loosening the belts on the machines for the very same reason. They develop a set. And over time, you, instead of going through the pulleys nice and smooth, it's going boom, boom, as it comes around. So now look at, look, look at the things we just talked about that takes 30 seconds. Loosen the belts. Uh, um, uh, uh, take the wheels off the ground when you're not sanding. Um, the dust bag, take the dust bag out and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, taking the tension off of the, uh, off of the, uh, the sandpaper. So th that tells you these, these are finely tuned machines that we're working with today, no matter what brand they are, they're finely tuned machines and the, the, with the labor shortage and then the expectations put on the floor guys today, that's, that's something you can do every day that takes literally no time. Uh, to do and could really dramatically uh, or it, hell even if it's on one job it stops you from having a problem um, and well since we're at it I'm just going to say when you go on vacation if you know you're scheduling to go on vacation schedule bringing the machine at the same time to the shop get worked on you know have it serviced uh, Don Smithson God bless you wherever you are man I know he's he, he was uh, he's retired from the industry but uh, one of the best guys I've ever seen working on a machine a phenomenal machine man uh, we would take our machines. We would bring it to him. He would service them while we're on vacation. Wasn't uh, wasn't he? Uh, he was from California, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I knew him. I met such, him a couple times out there. Such a good dude, man. Really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. nice yep. guy. Phenomenal mechanic, and uh, well, and uh, he's retired. Wow, now. that's a name from the past. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Good day. I'll tell you, uh, uh, Kevin O'Leary too. Uh, they got a good, great shop as well. I mean, that's another guy that uh, does a good job with machines. So, absolutely. All right. um, you know what? Let's keep going down big machines. I got a couple more for the big machine. Um, so, we're on it. I'm going to, uh, I check that footprint every day. Every day, I check the footprint before I start. Do you really? Yeah. You want to check the footprint. And one of the reasons, and I, I think we've all done it where you start running the buffer, you, you're all done. You start running the buffer and all of a sudden you see 
you know, those nice slice lines, you know, where you cut too mm -hmm. heavy on one side and now uh, I got to go back. I got to either try and buff everything out or take it, take it out with the machine. And if I had just checked the footprint and the, the reason that I like checking it is because even though it was sanding heavy to one side, it was sanding light enough that it was still removing finish on the other side. You know what I mean? So even though it was removing finish all across the eight inches, it was removing a hell of a lot more on one side than it was the other. And until I started checking the footprint, now you're never going to get jammed up like that again. Yeah, good call. I honestly didn't do that a lot. <clears throat> uh, can I backtrack real quick? No, no way. We're moving forward. Man. You already passed it up? All right. Let's go. Back it up. Um, okay, so I talked about uh, bringing your lunch to uh, work. Uh, back in the Oakland Hills, anybody who was a floor contractor in the uh, 90s will remember this, that there was a massive fire in the Oakland Hills. You know, they get the Santa Ana winds in California every year or so. And, uh, and uh, it's very hot and, and really windy. There was a fire and it, it, the fire went through and uh, I think it wiped out about 3,500 homes. So all the homes in this area were completely destroyed. And these are homes that are up in the hills that, you know, really very nice. It's the kind of neighborhood you'd want to trick or treat in, right? Really nice, fancy homes, uh, but they're integrated into the hills and everything. So um, when we were doing work up there after the fire, there was, I mean, it was like a sea of construction workers everywhere, right? I mean, every, I mean, every house is being rebuilt from scratch. You can imagine, you know, the chaos. And we're working at the top of the hill. To go down the hill to lunch and back would have been over an hour trip with all the chaos that was going on. And I had four or five guys at the, uh, on the job at the time and uh, the young kids, they didn't bring a lunch. I thought, man, I'm gonna lose these guys for an hour and a half and I can't afford that. I said, so look, just tell me what you, I'll go down and get us a pizza or something. I, I'll be back as quick as I can. I leave the house, I go down about two, maybe two houses in my, in my van. I see a pizza delivery guy looking for addresses. Now you can't really make out the addresses anymore because they're all new homes, right? So I rolled down the window and I said, where the hell you been? He goes, hey, I couldn't, I couldn't get up here, man. I mean, there's, you know, all the traffic, blah, blah, blah. I said, all right, man, it's all right. Don't worry about it. So I got out of my van and went over. He handed me three pizzas, uh, some big uh, two liter Cokes or whatever they are. I gave him the money. I was back in the house like in five minutes. And uh, that was like the best for me. You know, you know somebody got screwed. But, but uh, how nice is that, man? That I, I didn't get to waste all that time with the guys. You stole somebody else's pizza, but you paid for I, it. I paid for it. You paid for it. I paid for so, it, exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, now, all right. if you didn't pay for it, I was, uh, all right, you paid for it, so you're good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, end of the day ritual, I think you have to have one. I, I go through and uh, every I make a note. I walk the job site at the end of every job, and what am I going to need for the day? I mean, if I thought, about, if I thought ahead and I planned properly, I probably don't need anything. But always important to walk that job site so you don't lose time, um, um, you know, having to run to a distributor or something like that or, or hardware store because you didn't have anything on that, what you needed on the job. So um, definitely uh, walking the job and taking notes after every, after every day. And by the way, too, taking notes on, on the jobs, if I, what I did the job for and how much, you know, I itemize every job at the end of every job is how we did on it. I think you have to do that. You can't get in the habit of being too busy to actually go through every single job and itemize everything 
and, and how you did it, you know, the margin you made on the job and what you bid it for and, and evaluate yourself on every job. I think that's important too. I think that, that has to become habit to get better. It can't be just routine. You go out and, you know, whatever. I think you have to be very uh, analytical about it. Um, and, and every job I, I sit down and I, what, how did we do? How could I have done better? Did I, did my bid meet the expectations of what I was, thought I was going to make on the job? I think you have to do that. Did you do that? Did you do that? Or was that a habit you wish you had done? No, uh, we did. Uh, listen, especially the last 10 years of the job or whatever. I mean, I, 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 I made a habit of it because I realized. Wow, that's great. That's yeah, I mean, you have to, 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 otherwise you're kind of flying in the wind. You're thinking what you're making, but sometimes that doesn't, the out reality doesn't match up. So there's nothing to chance. Uh, a big crazy habit of mine that uh, I, I just, I don't know, some of these habits are almost anal, but I never started uh, a fresh jug in the middle of a room. I always had enough to get through an entire room, whether I was using stain or finish or whatever. I never, uh, I always made sure that I would never run out halfway through a room and then had to start something new, a new jug or a new, a new stain, a new core or whatever. I always had enough to, just because of sheen levels, colors, you name it, whatever could go wrong sometimes would go wrong. So I was always hedging my bets, but that was one of my big time habits was really being maniacal about that. This job can get you in so many ways that I, you know, these, these small little details add up to huge details. And so all these things that, that you can put on your side of the equation and this, this, you know, can make your life so much easier. And, and they really a lot of what this is, so much of it is just thinking ahead a little bit. Uh, and planning it out. And you're right. I mean, batching the, the finish together, bundle the finish together, as we say, uh, is, is very important. And uh, especially on a big open room with a lot, a lot of windows and everything, that you just can't leave anything to chance. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I was, that was another one of mine. And you would just say it, you know, having a plan. That was, yeah, if you're just doing a living room, dining room, not much of a plan you're going to need. But when you're doing eight or nine rooms, a couple of floors, stairs, I always really started to map things out, sit down, draw it out, and really have a plan. Because a lot of times once I would sit down and draw it out, you know, you're, you're always thinking, well, you, you've been doing this since you were a kid, right? So you're just going to walk in and start doing it. It was amazing how many times when I really sat down and made a plan that I completely would go in a different direction to make sure that everything came together. Mm -hmm. So um, I, the, the, the longer I was in this, and especially when I was working by myself, uh, I, I, here's the thing, is that you have to get every, you have to get something out of every job. You know, like what's the lesson? It seems like a razzle dazzle job. It seemed like, okay, this, this wasn't really, you know, this wasn't really, uh, tax me because I know all these things. I, I've done this job a hundred times, right? Yeah. That so, room. I've done this set a yeah. hundred times. Right. But you, you have to get something out of every job. I, I really believe that. And financially, of course, yes. And what did I learn on the business side of this? You know, could I, you know, even to the point where um, um, it's a 400 square foot job. Uh, so I told her uh, we, we could do, you know, three quarter unfinished, sand and finish, blah, blah, blah. Or should I have told her, 
pre-finish is the way to go because if you on these small jobs, if you started adding it up, the amount of trips, returns, whatever, maybe it makes more sense for a pre-finished floor. And as much as I'm a solid unfinished or solid engineer now, but an unfinished guy standing finished, maybe on a 300 square foot job, I should bid all those as a pre-finished job. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, you, and I have to get something out of every single job. I have to learn something. And that's why, I mean, today, you know, I mean, you know, um, I also think that, and I guess I'm a really an optimist because I think every day has got to be better than the day before. As much as I, I really am. I mean, to me, you've got to get something out of it. It's got to be better than yesterday. Did you just call yourself an optimist? I am 100% an optimist. Wow. I am 100% an optimist. Absolutely. I'm a realist, though. That's the thing. I, 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 you know, I'm, You're a realist optimist. Yeah. A re, I'm a real optimist. You're real. <laughs> I told a you. A realistic that. optimist. Yes. But uh, you got to get something out of every, every job. You have to learn something from it. It can't just be, I can't be in the trade that I'm just going to go through the motions or whatever and I don't get something from it. I've got to learn something from it. I got to get better. Uh, and that's just the first, I mean, you know, you, you can go through it like you're mowing a lawn, you know, just walking behind the sander and whatever, and you know, you're not, you're not paying attention to it or, or you can read that floor and it tells you exactly what it really wants. And uh, so, yeah, my dad had a guy in the crew, his name was Charlie Durant. And uh, I think I've talked to him about him before. He was really the trainer. He was the guy who trained everybody on how to load the paper, how to run the machine, edge the whole deal. He was the trainer. And after your first day of working with Charlie, at the end of the day, he would walk up to you and tell you, do not become a robot when you're sanding okay he goes this is he goes even though it's the same motion over and over and over and over he goes you cannot be a robot you have to look at every pass you have to look at every single thing every time you move the machine or do whatever it's it's a new pass and you have to look at it like that let he's so right so let's let's take that step further so let's say you didn't do what i'm saying Let's say that you, you've been staying for for 20 years and, and you stayed with the routine. Look what's happened in the last 10 years or so in the industry with the uh, planetary machines, the power drive, with the finishes, with the craft oil, with the vacuum systems that are out there, with the different the sandpaper sequences that are sandpaper grits and, and, and makeup of sandpaper that's out there today versus the other day. Now look at all the different procedures and, and now the expectations of how, floor the flat, how, how flat the floors have to be um that different you know rolling versus t-bar versus the different there's so many ways this this trade has changed that if you're not challenging yourself on every job you're staying in that uh, in that you know the way that you do things i think that you know uh, you could say maybe the game passes you by i'm going to do a flip side to this is that there's there are, is a school of thought and and i you know I'm, I'm not judging them either is that you know what I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I do it exactly the same way every time. It has worked every time. And there's that school of thought. That, so I'm not knocking those guys either. Uh, everybody has a different way of looking at this. But that's my way of looking at it. The more you change, the more money you're going to make. Yeah. I mean, there's some really cool ways to make some money now. And I see it with old timers who come to the school. Just like you were saying, ah, I've been doing it this way. Well, the guys who come to the school, I think they're getting some, they're, they're getting a lot of new ways 
to make a little extra money. Just by new ideas, green guard gold, wire brushing, using the uh, you know natural anti-slip, all, all that kind of stuff where it, you know, like you said, might pass by some of the old timers, but boy, oh boy, you're just passing up money. Why don't we tell everybody one, what's your worst bad habits you do have? I don't okay. even mean, it could be for anything, anything, okay. whether it's work, personal, whatever. What's your worst bad habit? I've thought about this actually long and hard and I don't have any. I, I don't I don't know if I have any bad habits. Um, you, I wish you had met my dad because my dad used to tell everybody, you can find me in the dictionary under P for perfect. <laughs> I like your style. All right. I don't know. I, I've got so many bad habits. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably too critical. Um, but um I will say this though, uh, Atomic uh, Habits is a great book that I've read. I, I, uh, it's by James Clear, Atomic Habits is a really eye-opener on how these little habits and these little small, little small changes in life make a big deal. And uh, I'll tell you a habit that I, remember I, on a podcast a while back ago, I said that I went to the, the uh, uh, went to the hotel and I checked in the hotel and they didn't have a toothbrush, whatever. Remember I told you that? And she said, oh, you look like a professional traveler. Uh, yeah. And for just a very small moment there, I felt good about myself. And it occurred to me uh, how powerful words are and how they can change a bad day into a good day or just a pat on the back for somebody, for somebody up and coming can mean the world to them. Just one nice sentence. So getting in the habit of uh, just, 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 you know, trying to be a little bit nicer to somebody or the guy you work with, you know, pat them on the back, say, hey, man, I appreciate everything you're doing or whatever, or just see someone struggling just just uh you know just all it takes is just a one nice little thing it'll make your day better it'll make their day a whole lot better and uh and so there's a there's a good habit i'll, I'll uh, that i i try to do and i'll leave you with so you're just trying to be more human yeah absolutely than, than the way you used to be well that's good that's yeah. i'm glad you're joining us yeah yeah i don't know about you all right, you got a bad habit? What's your worst habit? Oh, my worst habit is staying up until two o'clock in the morning watching movies that I've seen a hundred times. I cannot break this habit. It drives Pauline crazy. I'm drives me crazy, but I I, I don't know what I, I don't know what it is. I can't I can't stop. Well, uh, people that really, really enjoy movies like that love life. So you know what, man? Just, <laughs> That's not such a bad habit, Rob. So that's not a bad habit then. If I'm, no, all right. you enjoy you enjoy yourself. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. The, we could go on, uh, like you said, a lot of these. We could we'll go on right here. and on yeah. and on. We should definitely do one about habits that I wish I got into. But yeah, that absolutely. could be another show. I could write yours down. You could write mine down. <laughs> all right. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wade and Rob. Hey, uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. We appreciate it uh, very much. And uh, uh, please do stay tuned for another episode.